What better way to celebrate International Women's Day 2020 than with a pro-mum podcast? Here I'm speaking to Sue Higgs, award-winning group creative director at Grey, about her 30-plus years in the industry, whilst being a single mum and breadwinner for her family. I hope you enjoy the podcast. to Pro Mum. Today I'm speaking to Sue Higgs um, who is a Group Creative Director at Grey London um, and has been in the industry for 30 years. Mm -hmm. She's a Who's Your Mama uh, mentor and am I right in thinking that you're still part of like a social enterprise that helps young people get into work? That's right. I still play a big role with with Circle which is a social enterprise based in Hackney and it helps kids get... um, Jobs. It's an amazing initiative. With I work with this woman called Turley, who is just a tour de force, and we um, she runs this kind of this amazing retail shop, which helps kids get experience. But I mentor some of the kids, and I've sort of helped do quite a lot of her social media and all that kind of stuff. It's an incredible project, so it's quite a nice outpouring. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's get a to really do that good. As well. but yeah, it feels a really nice to give back, especially you know sometimes you feel they've given it all away. It's quite nice to give back. To, yeah. um, to kids and they really appreciate it yeah amongst all of that though obviously you're a, a mum as well so you've got you're doing spinning lot, lots of plates yeah I always say I've got two full-time jobs I've got the full-time job the day job which is sometimes actually easier um rankling the advertising world and then I've got I've got three kids oh two of my two of my girls are at uni now though so that I've still just got one at home but they never really leave home. I mean, there's always... I mean, now with phones constantly, there's always a, an Amazon basket to check out and could you just pay this and could you just do that? So I'm PA to my eldest <laughs> two children still because there's always something. Or yesterday I got... Um, my daughter found a funny little rash on her thumb, so she just texts me a picture and says, what's this? So I'm a doctor as well. <laughs> so in the middle of a meeting, you're getting a picture of this funny little looking thumb with a couple of spots on it saying what's that and I'm like oh my word here we go so they never leave you it's keeping keeping it interesting keeping though. It busy. <laughs> yeah keeping it it's normally can I have some money please that's normally the bank of mum um so tell me a bit about just for like the listeners in terms of your career like when did you start out um so I started out in the late 80s that's how old I am in analog days so I did a I didn't actually ever know I wanted to be in advertising. It wasn't something that I kind of really thought, but I always knew I didn't never wanted to wear a uniform. I could never wear tights in a uniform, which was the careers for women. Bizarre in those days, it was like nurses and teachers and all this. I was like, I can't do any of that. And it was a total fluke. I knew I was creative, but I'm terrible at art. I can't draw for toffee. I'm rubbish. Um, so I did my A-levels, and then um, I was due to go and do a degree but I took a year out because I owed my dad too much money for my Ford Capri my first car (laughs) and um, so I did this job and then I realised that I was so underqualified and I didn't want to learn to write an essay again so just by fluke I called a a, um, careers advisor as you could do in those days and said look I'm supposed to do this degree in sociology which I'm sort of interested in but I feel quite, I'm quite creative and I don't know what to do. And literally, they just said, have you thought of advertising? I went, no. They said, that sounds like you're quite suited for that. Why don't you try this course? And they recommended Hounslow Borough College, which was the course at the time. There's very um, many alumni that have been through that. Great creatives have, have been through that, went through that course back in the day. So... I sort of talked myself onto that course. I sort of, they actually, sorry to whoever this was, they bumped someone off the course because I talked my way onto it. And, um, That's amazing. Yeah, which was amazing. So it was a bit of a kind of rude accident, happy accident, but that's, I think, what creativity is, is a happy accident. So I got onto this course and did two years there, and which was incredible. And the people, I, I still know people there and they've still got great jobs in the industry, so it was a really, really special time and we learned loads and made really good lasting friendships and everyone's gone on to do really good things and then I got my first job at Low Howard's Bink in 1989 maybe 1990 so a long time ago and I always tell this story it's quite funny so back in the day people were 
probably not even remember this, but you had to write your scripts in pencil. You had to write everything out because okay. wow. you didn't even have typewriters in the, those days. And there were secretaries who typed them up for you. And I was the first woman hired in about, gosh, about three or four years. So, and they didn't like me. I was this young girl who was quite feisty. And they were like, they had to type my scripts up for me because that's what you did. So they'd take them off me and they'd like puff and they'd puff and they'd blow and they'd type them out and then throw them back on my desk. And you'd be like, oh, I'm really sorry. There's just a little bit of kind of a mistake here. I need to change this. And they'd tot at me and puff at me. And I'd have to do it again. They hated it. And then um, bizarrely, after about six months, one of them said to me, we've decided you're all right. And they let me in. But it was like a real like little mafia to kind of break Were the women into, almost worse than the, the men in terms of the way that they treated 100%. you? 100%. So, so the secretaries yeah. were kind of like, you're a threat, I don't like you. And this is, I mean, I'm, it sounds like I'm, it is like a bygone era, but um, uh, there weren't many women around and the women there were, you, I was a threat to most women. I can honestly say that in fact, a lot of men were nicer to me than the women. Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways, the TV department were always my sanctuary because there was a lot of producers generally were women, and they were all lovely. So I've always had a real soft spot for the TV department because they were always very nurturing and very kind and very encouraging. And when you got to work with a lot of fabulous women producers, um, it was like home. And I've always had a you know I think yeah. they're the angels anyway. I love TV, TV producers. I think they're like the nurses of the industry that just get on and sorts they create magic so yeah and don't really get any really never, recognition no, for it do I they like in credits and shout stuff. to those amazing producers that make the magic and i do i think they're nurses and i always sort of think that they're so under under uh, overlooked yeah. sort of thing and undervalued but they're incredible but i suppose because there weren't any other women in the department particularly it was natural to sort of gravitate to the producers who were always really kind and always like oh do you want a cup of tea and you always know, had the snacks. I had the snacks, <laughs> always had the snacks, and they were always like, come on, we'll go and do this kind of, we'll go into this session, we'll have a bit of lunch, and they were always really kind, so I guess that's, I've always had a real soft spot for, and I still, again, the, you do collect a lot of people along the way, and the people you meet who stand out, you still know, I mean, there's a lot of people you don't want to meet, but there's a lot of people <laughs> that are very special, so yeah, and then, um, so I was there for seven years, and then I went on to... Emmacy Saatchi, yeah. which was quite interesting. I got pregnant with my first daughter there, and I was the first person um, to have a baby there, so that was interesting really? times. Wow. There was no policy. I had to literally kick my maternity deal out of somebody. It was very stressful. Yeah. And because my partner at the time, I was the breadwinner, and so I had to make the money work. So that was quite stressful, and there was a real culture of presenteeism which I think still exists to some extent yeah. but I was marked down and I didn't get a bonus or anything because I was seen as not being there even though I was working different hours because I was a woman they literally eye rolled at me and it's like well you're no use I, I believe even the words they like totally wrote me off because I was pregnant which That's was nice crazy. how many other women were there in the department at that time out of interest none although okay. a big shout out for the woman who was incredible, Tiger Savage, came into the department. Mm -hmm. She fought my corner for me. She's the most incredible woman, and she literally saw what was going on. And she was like, "Is this happening?" And she was incredible. She was, but there wasn't really any women who were having babies at all. Yeah. So, at the world start. I, then I went on to Ogilvy, and I think that was slightly different because they were a bigger agency and they have more policies in place. I mean, yeah. and so. I had two babies at Ogilvy, but even so, it's kind of quite a tough environment because a lot of the your peers are men, and I sort of sort of said, you know, men who lead, they're kind of they don't have to go through the same thing as women somehow, which just seems really unfair. Which you know, so whilst they they can be there all the hours, God saying, because they've got a wife at home who's dealing with all the stuff that women are dealing with on a daily basis, like. In every meeting, in my head, I'm going, yes, I'm here, but, oh, God, have I have I done that? Have I done this? Have I packed the bag? Have I sorted this? Have we got enough of this? Have we got enough of that? So you're sort of running two jobs at the same time. Yeah. Um, so do you know what? The easiest way I found, I mean, this is just me, was I didn't really tell people. that I, I didn't, on my third child, 
I didn't tell anyone until I was five months pregnant because it was easier <laughs> to not make it, to not tell anybody yeah. and just get on with it. I mean, a lot of people didn't even know I had children. They were like, oh, this is your third child? I'm like, yeah. Um, because it's just because I didn't want the eye rolls, I didn't want the tutting, and I was good at my job, uh, but the way that the industry was set up, you would get marked down for it. That's so sad that you felt like you had to had to do that. Um, it was survival, though. I think I think I've learned that you have to do what you have to do to survive, and that's why now it's so amazing that people can celebrate women having children. I mean, I still don't think it's a walk in the park for women, like, but at least you can talk about it. I mean, there there are there aren't there weren't then many women in the industry. Um, and there's still prob- there aren't still enough, but I still think it's skewed. You know that all the sort of duty of care is on women to leave early and do all these things. I think men should also be encouraged. Why don't they? I mean, more and more I think are doing it, but it yeah. should be more encouraged. Go and do the bedtimes, the bath times, yeah. because if there's one thing I know is it goes quick, and meetings will always be there. The bullshit will always be there, but the bath times and the books and the sort of the you know, the school plays won't always be there. Yeah. So, you know, you have to make the choices and there's a sacrifice because, like I said, I don't think, in my opinion, you can have it all. I don't even know what it all is. But you have to make the choices and you have to own your choices. And um, I chose to be there for my children. And I know, for me, it came as a, at, at a price because people perceive people differently because of this act of presenteeism and when you're there and when you're not there and just the conscious bias to women who've got babies and then I became a single mother um, when my I had a seven-year-old a five-year-old and a three-year-old and I was the breadwinner and I was holding down the job five days a week I poor woman that's me Um, but you make it work when you have to do what you have to do you make it work and you know you have if you, you have your support net really important to have your support network around you to make that work yeah in terms of that support network kind of like who has that been is there anyone that's been really championing you as a as a single mum like within it sounds like probably not in the industry not so much in the I mean in later dates yes because um the conversation was not there when I when my children were young the conversation really wasn't there on a on a sort of behind the scenes way there were individuals who were incredibly supportive of me but there was nothing really in place to make it okay in fact I was sort of almost it was easier just not to mention it and just I literally feel like I put my head down and got on with myself because I had to keep my job down and I had to keep my children yeah alive and if I went down they went with me so I just smiled and I waved and I probably didn't I mean I I'm sitting at a place where I'm almost out the woods as much as you ever can be with children because they don't go away. Yeah. But, you know, like, they're sort of fully functioning, independent human beings. Like I said, my two girls are at uni. So it's a different set of problems. I mean, all the way along the lines, you have a different set of issues that you're dealing with from, you know, whether they're toddlers or they're at school age or a GCSE. You know, it's all just a different set. I, don't, I wouldn't say any of it's easier. Yeah. It's just different. Um, they're different challenges um, but yeah I, I had I was very the thing that saved me the woman that saved me is an amazing woman called Sylvia a friend of mine introduced me to her when I was pregnant with my my eldest daughter and she's older uh, she's got five kids of her own and she's I, I call her a nanny she's she's just more than that she's like Alice out of the Brady Bud she's an incredible <laughs> human being that she always said to me we'll make it work will make anything work and she cooked for the kids she was always at home I always I made it easier for myself by she was always in the home because I was always worried about being tied to nursery times and you know like rushing yeah. back because I live in West London and at the time I was like Ogilvy was in Canary Wharf so yeah. that is quite running the gauntlet as a travel you know because all sorts of stuff would go wrong and I, I didn't want the anxiety of ever leaving kids at nursery so I did little things I thought so at least if they're at home then if needs be then Sylph can put them to bed or they're in their pyjamas or they're you know at least they're at home so that was my 
kind of way of trying to keep them safe and and me not having to I mean I rush like a lunatic but less of a lunatic you know I wasn't if I'm 10 minutes late and also because Sylvia's such a wonderful human um nothing was a problem and that made it my life so much easier yeah I mean she literally is the wind beneath my wings that woman and she's still here with us she's the um godmother to my eldest daughter and you know she still looks on my 15 year old boy who's sort of a 15 year old boy and um yeah so it was I I really really couldn't have done it without her she was my support network I think you need to find someone or something that you can trust into because otherwise it's another layer of the anxiety of thinking oh my you know I'm stuck yeah so was she like a friend at the time or was she a nanny or was she like she she was um so I had a friend called David and he lived in this flat in, in Notting Hill and he said, oh, this is wonderful lady next door called Sylph. She said she looks after, she's like a childminder. And he said, if I ever have a child, I'll ask Sylph. So I thought, oh, I'm pregnant, I'll ask Sylph. So she sort of looked, she's like a childminder, but she's more than that. She's sort of like, she's like, she always called my kids the kids she never had. She was like their mum, she like cared. Yeah. So she's like a nanny, but she... I mean, my children got so spoiled because she's an amazing cook as well. So they got really nice, you know, food that she would cook for them and she cared for them. They, you know, she's almost like a member of the family. Yeah. And yeah, so that for me was how I made it work for me because there was a constant for the kids because their father wasn't a constant. Their father was quite an abusive man and didn't show up and didn't pay. And so we became a little family unit, and Silver's our sort of like um, support network, really. Yeah, that's amazing. She sounds like an amazing oh, person. Oh, she's too. incredible. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm lucky not everyone has a Silve, but if you find a Silve, hold on for your dear life because she is, and she's an angel as well. She's yeah. a real angel. Yeah. So how did you, I guess, make that work as well? Like financially I guess because like you say if you were always the breadwinner anyway yeah I mean it's we didn't go on fancy holidays (laughs) it just it's so interesting because I think if you think about it as a plan you would freak yourself out I think you just literally do what you have to do in that moment and you make that work because it all changes I think having kids is a whole set of things that change it's never constant so you know whilst they're really small they need someone in the house and then they go to school so they need someone after school and I think you sort of think when they get older when they're doing their GCSEs oh they'll be all right but actually they need people again because being a teenager is obviously quite difficult especially nowadays so to have I will have someone at home when they get in making sure they're eating making sure they've got someone to tell them about their days also so it's a whole rolling kind of um set of circumstances and you sort of adapt to survive and what you need for the first few years then changes and then it changes and it changes and I think you just kind of muddle your way through it hopefully I mean how do we ever know if we're doing the right thing but um we just muddled through yeah and and I always say to sort of like I when I see friends of mine who say oh my god how am I going to make this work it's like just get to the end of the week sometimes just get to the end of the week because it all changes you just get through and although that doesn't sound particularly um much of a plan I've actually started to get quite skeptical of plans because I think they can skew what reality is I think you just have to do what you have to do to get by or what you feel at that time exactly and what and what is right at that time and then it changes it all changes because um life is like that you know you can never really predict what's going to happen and so you have to adapt to survive I think because it's never it's never the same thing all the time it's so, so weird though isn't it because as humans we just like always want to know exactly what's happening next and we're like this is the grand plan and then I get a house and then I get this yeah, and, and there will always be something no. that swoops in and changes it again I think that's another thing you just have to be open to everything in a weird way I quite like change I don't know why I find it exciting change but I think it's because it's 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 a bit like creativity. It's another problem to solve. It's like yeah. how will I work this out? And and I mean it. Yeah, you definitely feel alive. I guess as well is you've kind of had changes come at you your whole life that now like it doesn't feel scary because you know that no matter what you will make it I, through. Yeah, like, I think I think that is the, that is really true. I think I've learned that I can get by and I can survive, and that's like part of 
why I really enjoy, you know, like mentoring people mm-hmm. and, and would offer support to anybody is you will survive. Although you don't think and you can't see it, you will get by because you do adapt to survive and the people you don't think will be there are and the people you think will be won't. It's really yeah. extraordinary how it all comes to pass, but it's really kind of quite... It's quite exciting. I mean, you do feel alive. I mean, there's no boring bits in it. There's no boring bits. I can't <laughs> say there's been any boring bits in it. And um, it's exhausting. But you survive. You definitely do survive. You adapt to survive. And I think you have to sometimes... I think women, generally speaking, I might be wrong, aren't very good at ego. Men are quite good yeah. at ego. And I think... I definitely haven't had an ego. I've had my head down just going, right, okay, I just need to keep everything quiet and I won't take risks and I'll smile and I'll wait. But actually, I think I've learned if you just cultivate a tiny little bit of ego just to just to push some back so you can develop a boundary to tell people how far you're prepared to go. And I think that's really, really important. I've cultivated it in my latter days, again, with experience, which is this is where my boundaries are. This is what I'm prepared to do. This is what I'm not. This is what I will do. This is what I won't. And I think it's good for self-preservation. And I know there's a big push about self-care. And I think self-care is about having your boundaries and about allowing yourself to say no when you need to say no. And that's okay. And always own your choices. Yeah. Own your choices. And that's fine because you need to do what you need to do to get by. Yeah. And, you know, at the end, I mean, I can't say this, but at the end of the day, if they then don't agree with those boundaries and it doesn't work, it doesn't work and it you move on to someone yeah, exactly. else. And, yeah. Well, I always used to say, this is, I know it's weird, I used to say, look, let me do what I do. If I fuck it up, come and have a chat to me, but if not, just let me be. Yeah. And I think that's my probably my tiny bit of ego because I think you have to have that tiny bit of confidence that you know that you're worthy, you know that you can do what you can do. And I sometimes think it's hard as women to sort of feel that. Yeah. But I think you have to allow yourself that you're there for a reason, you've been employed for a reason. And you can do that to so just allow yourself to sit with that and feel it and own that and sort of just hold on to it. Don't let anyone take that away because you're there for a reason, you're good at what you do. So if you have to work differently or you have to work you know um different hours hold on to it just do do it your way do it your way yeah i guess as well it's like it's i think it's strange in this industry because you because creativity there's like there's no science to it right that you that kind of having that confidence you go like well i will get i will get to that idea because i need to get to it and yeah. i always do but there's always that moment of unknown yeah. isn't there and just I, like i know ah! I, think, I think that's part of the thrill though i think that's what i think that's what keeps creatives coming back for more we're weirdos but, you know like we quite like that real like oh my goodness can we do it can we do it and that that ultimate kind of I think that's what kept me going is the fact that I still find it quite interesting. I'm like a goldfish. I forget all the bad bits and I come back going, what can we do today? What can we do? Let's keep going. And you're constantly learning. And I think also having kids, again, helps you learn because like they're telling me all about this and they're telling me about that. And I sometimes know more than some of the younger members of the department because I've learned from my teens or, 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 um, you know, from the younger friends or whatever that yeah. they sort of bring around it's it's so there's it's what it's a movable everything moves i think your life is just a whole bunch of movable parts and you just have to keep open and keep learning from all of it i think yeah so in terms of obviously being the breadwinner oh. would you say that that's like i'd say try not to do it if you can help yourself it's like it's not the funnest part being responsible for three lives but I sort of think I didn't try and think about it too much because I think it would freak the hell out of me. It was a cupboard I tried to keep shut. I put my head down and just got on with it. I had to have um, the confidence that I could do it. I probably, if I'm to be quite self-reflective and critical of myself, I probably held myself back because I wouldn't put myself um, in a position that I thought would be too risky for me because I had to play it a little bit safe I didn't push myself probably as much as I probably could have done or men could have did because I couldn't put the hours in I chose it was an active choice I went home every night I put my kids to bed I read them stories I went to all the and I think it you everything costs yeah everything unfortunately costs and you have to own your choices and I don't regret it for one minute that I chose those things because I wish that 
in a way I could do it all again because I would love to sort of I, I would do it all again exactly the same I mean I might not be you know like the global head chief of the world but I've been there for my children and that for me is a price worth paying I might not earn the most money in the world but that's a price worth paying because I have a bond with my children and I chose to be there for them yeah and I didn't take a job traveling the world because I wanted to be there for them because like I said it goes quick it goes so quick and meetings will always be there the bullshit the politics will always be there and that's why I think it's quite interesting now for me being of my age because I'm like well I've done that bit I've got my act three and it's all quite exciting because I'm like a teenager but with experience and a little bit more well I'll say a bit more money behind me not really but um, you know but you kind of like what could I do now because this is the exciting bit because I've sort of when I say I've done the motherhood, I haven't because this, I get a text a day, mum, what's this rash on my hand? Mum, could you check my Amazon basket out? But there's a lot more space for me as a creative because I'm not tied to getting back for bath times or yeah. bedtimes or all that kind of stuff, which I, like I said, I do not regret for. They are worth every single promotion or pay rise in the world times 10. Yeah. But I definitely didn't push myself. Where do you think you would have pushed yourself to out of interest? Like, before you had children, where did you see yourself kind of being? Um, I think I probably... I probably think I probably could have a... I mean, I do a bit of leadership, but more leadership. I think I probably saw myself a little bit more in a higher role, maybe. Like, I mean, it's not that I'm not in a higher role, but yeah. a, a bit more of a leadership role, which I, I still think I've... I've got in me that's where I think I can probably go now yeah um but I definitely held on to the middle ground just because it was a safe space for me and the kids to sort of grow get through and I wasn't I couldn't fuck up basically because I think if I'm saying that oh yes I can go away this weekend that weekend go be late all the time I couldn't I couldn't promise those things and I didn't want to promise those things and a lot of men do promise those things because they have wives at home who do the bit that I was also doing as part of my second job which is as a full-time mum do you know what I mean so it's really hard when you're doing it all I don't know Many men, I mean, I might be dissing the whole male community and apologies because there are really loads of good men and I'm not a men hater, I do, you know, and I know that it, it's all changed, but generally speaking, women are sort of running the house at the same time as running their lives. So, and men just have a different set of issues so they can be here 24 7 because someone's, you know, making sure the PE kits are clean, making sure the school forms are signed and da, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's a different sort of mindset. So, I didn't want to. Um, fuck up for my kids basically I wanted to make sure I was there as much as but they needed me because their other parent wasn't around so I almost had to I was sometimes like double parent I have to do the whole thing so it comes at a point and there's only so many hours in the day and uh, I have to sleep I'm not very good without sleep (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I guess in terms of of that do you feel like you've ever come across scrutiny within the industry for being like I can't do that weekend or I can't do that late night or I can't do this because I need to go home and see my children or from what you said earlier did you kind of not say it was for your children yeah I I used I think it's easier now but probably the times changed somewhere around 2012 or 2013 but pre that I wouldn't tell anybody about my children I didn't even tell people I had children I used to do what I needed to do and kept it on a down I mean people knew I had children but I wasn't sort of shouting it from the rooftops or I need to go I would just go certain bosses were better than other bosses but I had one particular boss who was really didn't like me he bullied me and there was one particular occasion so Sylv the amazing woman I told you about um she she'd hurt her leg and she thought she just twisted her ankle and she was supposed to go and collect the kids from school and I was on a pitch and she called me she said, I'm so sorry, I've just found out I've broken my leg. And my boss at the time said, you're not going anywhere. You've got a pitch to do, you've got work. 
Crazy, which is crazy I know it's so weird because like even saying that out loud I mean that wouldn't happen now but that certainly did happened did he have kids out of interest yeah and he had, he had a wife at home yeah. that dealt with dressed head foot and Chanel de- dealing with everything so I um, right. yeah I was yeah. definitely it was it was an easy thing to push on for him because he knew that it's difficult when you're trying to keep all the balls in the air and the plane mm. spinning and he could you can easily get to a via the kids because I'm obviously highly protective of them and trying to make it all yeah, work yeah. and you know it's such a finely balanced thing and it was an easy win for him to push on that do you think that was coming from like a higher organization thing like a pressure that was put on him or do you think that was an individual I think it was an individual he it was, was an individual ask. he was an absolute yeah ask is polite um, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> for the yeah, podcast that was, being that, polite I mean you can't I mean boss you, you are in a lot of ways who is leading is really important and I believe you need to lead by example because yeah. you know like I said there's a lot of men who can be the presenteeism is still allowed alive and kicking and I think that it's important as a as a leader to go home sometimes or to actively say you know I need to go and do my kids bath tomorrow my kids have got bath. and I think that 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 is happening more that is happening more yeah. but it's very much up to the individual to lead by that example because I don't think it's it doesn't make you better creative being here 24 7 and also I don't think it's a good example to lead because whether you've got kids or not you can have a life yeah. And you're better for it. You know, you should be able to go and see films or friends or just stay home, whatever you need to do. Do what the actual general public do that you're advertising exactly. to. Exactly. Rather than you're stuck in four white oh, walls of an office. And, and, and the glorification of, you know, hey, well done, you work late all night. It's like, you, of course we need to do that occasionally, but it shouldn't be glorified into... Unexpected. Yeah, in unexpected, exactly, because it all costs, you know. And, I mean, they make quite... A lot of people, you know, it's a big thing about mental health, which is 100% correct. But then you have to make sure your staff and and who's working are getting enough rest because being at work is all 24-7 is not good for your mental health because you never relief or anything from it. So you can chuck as many yoga classes at it as you like, but actually you need to make sure your, um, you know, your people are being looked after and they're getting the right amount of breaks and they're being supported and all that. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the time it's one of our key things in the industry is time management, isn't it? It's I like know. a lot of the time when you're working weekend or late or whatever, it's actually because something's gone wrong along the time management line. Exactly. Or someone said yes when they should have said no. They, exactly. <laughs> or that they're just understaffed and everyone's just, you know, like because yeah. people have left and they haven't been replaced because... You know, obviously, it's industry's not having its most beautiful time, and I still still amazing things happening. Yeah. But you know, as as is a lot of businesses, you know, it's it's not the same place I started, and so there's less people that seem to be doing more. So it's just also again, I think it's all about boundaries. It's about what you're prepared to do because whether you've got kids or not, you know, you need to have a life. So yeah. where your boundaries are, and pe- people won't always do it for you. So you have to just make sure you do it yourself. Yeah. just to protect yourself and just to make sure that you're sort of happy and healthy in body and mind yeah you know and that's why you, I think you have to do it in spite of other people sometimes yeah, yeah. well no yeah like you say no one else has no, got, they got your back really no. have they and so. if you're going to be there they're like brilliant bring yeah. that on that's working for me yeah, so yeah. you actually know you need to sort we're of paying you this much yeah actually we're getting this much and I must, it was quite funny I was on a pitch the other week and my son called me said and it was about nine o'clock and I, he said where else am I at work he said, uh, uh, you're getting overtime. I said, no. He said, well, come home then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. He said, well, are you getting a bonus? No. Well, what are you doing there then? And it, I mean, you know, as, as funny as it is, he sort of got, sometimes you think, you know, we can be here 24-7 and still not get the job done. You have to yeah. sort of, you know. Put some form of like some boundary sort of boundaries in, in there. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, taking, give them an inch, you know, and all that. Yeah. I always remember when I first came into the industry, like, my parents would always oh you're on a shoot you get a bonus for a shoot right yeah. and I was like no no yeah no but they're getting like they're getting paid like millions for that aren't they and all this stuff and it's like yeah yeah no I, I don't see any of that no money, exactly no. <laughs> and I and my, like, whenever you work the weekend will you be getting time and a half nope no nope. nothing going on the there way. doesn't quite work like that I mean if we're lucky they'll get us a bit of lunch yeah you might get a sandwich, an M&S sandwich but that's it yeah yeah so- 
first, first child. child. Yeah, my daughter too. Um, was that did that kind of affect what maternity leave you decided to take, and did you take the full full amount, or did you I, feel any pressures? Or I think I think the trouble, or well, not the trouble, but the thing about being the breadwinner is the, the thing that the, no one has got my back. Yeah, it's my, I have my own back, and so there was no financial slack in my maternity leave. I literally took the minimum I could because I had to keep everyone alive, pay the mortgage, pay bills, pay everything. I couldn't afford not to work. So I always, I took the minimum. I mean, uh, I think I probably, the most I took was four and a half months. Wow, okay. Because I couldn't, I couldn't do any more. I mean, it's brilliant that people can, but because nobody was there to support me sort of financially, I, it's a hard choice and there was this thing I was listening there's no such thing as choice it wasn't a choice for me really it's not like I decided to do the minimum I couldn't not because no otherwise way, yeah. there was no other way of doing it so you know again because I had Sylv she was amazing so she was sort of feeling like if I can't be there if she's there then that sort of really does happen. my mum did little bits here and there but not all the time um, that's why again it's your support network and mudding through but I think you need to know why you're doing what you're doing so I knew although I didn't want to go back at four months part of me knew I had to because I had to keep everyone alive and I had to support everybody so it sort of makes sense yeah. if you know what I mean and so again you do what you have to do so I always took the minimum because I could financially I couldn't afford to take the hit because no one's ever had my back in financially enabled to do that but you know what I'm proud of what we've done as a family because and also my kids have seen me always work so they've got like a work ethic and they they sort of appreciate what my work's done for them you know yeah and um it sort of it all comes good I think in it well you do what you need to do and um but my but two of my girls are at uni and they've got a really good drive and work ethic because I think they've always seen me working. So as women, they sort of see the importance of actually you get what you work for. So they are quite driven to do something with their lives. I mean, not certainly wouldn't be if you didn't have it, but no, I think being yeah. a single mum shows what you have to do. You know, they've got this really great work ethic and I think they're proud of me. But um, I'm sure they are. Although I took minimum... Um, maternity leave I always went home yeah. when I could as much as I could um, I just did what I could yeah. I think that's what the best you can do is what you can you know you can't beat yourself up for the choices you make or you just have to do what you have to do and it goes so quick yeah. I know it's so weird like I it's sitting here thinking I'm my daughter's 21 this year she's insane <laughs> I can't believe that's happened and they're all taller than me so yeah, it's good though because I know now maternity leave. I think you know you're still dependent on um, what company you work for, but at least it's a there's a bit it's a bit more giving. And I think it was in my day there was nothing really M and C. Ogilvy was a bit more had a policy in place, yeah. and there was a, a lot more. But you can only take what you can afford to take. It depends on your circumstances. I think I didn't get a bonus that year because I was pregnant. It's like, well, she's obviously not there. And a lot of the culture then was, it was all, uh, as was at the time, was a lot of drinking culture. So people would go drinking at lunchtime and I'd be at my desk at lunchtime, but because I say went home at six, whereas yeah. they'd come back from the pub at three or four, but they could be there till eight. It's like, well, you're here. So hadn't seen the fact that I'd worked through yeah. the pub. So it's, it's people see what they want to see as well. Yeah. It, but it was di- totally different times. And did you really feel that scrutiny at Massively, that time? Yeah. Hugely. I was definitely marked down. I was definitely, well, you're not going to be... I I wish I could remember the acts word, but the, the word, words uttered like, well, you're no use then, and are you? It's like, well, you're gone, your brain's gone. You know, it, I definitely wow. felt the being written off yeah. on people's faces, 100%. It's really important, I think, to work with people that get you. Yeah. And and I have been lucky. Like I'm, I work on my own now, but I've worked with some partners who got me, and they've made it easier because they get me. But then it's also difficult because when they're men, 
they again can work when you can't, which is great, but then it also shines a light on the fact you can't. Maybe not. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So there's always this sort of underlining feeling of, oh God, I can't quite do it all, but I have to do what I have to do. So it's sort of, it's a, it's a tightrope. Yeah. Tiger really stuck up for me. Um, there's very few men that actually do have stuck up for me. I've done all the fighting myself. Right. Um, actually said, like again, it's it's so interesting about this conversation. So. I'm quite vocal, I'm quite honest, I think, with my um, opinions and I would, like, you know, when we were working on a brief, I might say, no, this doesn't make sense, what do you mean? And I was labelled as a feisty one and troublemaker, so they would talk to my male partner because he was a lot more passive than me. So I, I, I would get cut out in quite insidious sort of ways and, you know, like, or I've had it quite a lot of times when... Um, I've said something and it's not listened to and then a man says, oh god, yeah, that's brilliant. So it's sort of weird. I sort of, now I'm looking back, I sort of feel like I accepted it because the conversation wasn't there but you don't have to accept that shit anymore. Nobody should accept that shit anymore. But it does still happen but it was all the time. So I think I spent a lot of my life feeling not as good as it because I couldn't be as good because I'm a woman and I can't be as good which sounds rubbish now I'm saying it out loud, but that's how it felt. Yeah. I don't feel like that now, but I felt definitely felt second class then because I couldn't because of the kids. And then also the way that people thought about women was also there to keep you down. Yeah. Bloody patriarchy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody patriarchy. Keeping us but yeah, I feel differently now. Yeah. I've Did thought. you feel like there was any points where you was like I just can't, I can't speak up. Because to me, it sounds like you always, even though that might have been there, you were I, still very much like, I'm, I'm, I do need to say something or... you. I never spoke... No, there was no, when there was no, I mean, gosh, back right back in the day when, uh, you know, it was like, come and sit on my knee and all this oh kind of God. stuff, which went all, I uh, had creative directors who said to me, and uh, there was... After us at Lowe's for a few years, another beautiful woman started who I still know, and she was creative. And he'd say, "You two kiss," and we'd be like, "Uh," and we'd just go. So bad things happened, and you knew they were bad. But there was a sense of if you cause trouble, you'll just get fired. And they all talk to the other things, and you won't get a job. So we knew it happened, but you just kept quiet. The conversation was definitely not there, even though you knew it was wrong. The only time I think I probably vocalised was uh, I got really badly bullied in one of my jobs and so much to the point that I walked out which is a really really tough thing to do as a single mother of three but I chose my sanity over this horrendous insidious bullying but unfortunately for me it happened just before the time's up and the um, me too and all those kind of incredible movements didn't so I got a bit supported with HR, but then this guy won at Cannes and they were like, oh, you know, he's amazing, amazing, amazing. So I had to sign an NDA and I got um, paid off. When I say paid off, nothing life to minimum, nothing to write home about, but they chose him over me. Um, But yeah, that was horrendous. I kept a diary. Um, because they said at the time to keep a diary and I read it now and it's kind of like quite upsetting to be honest yeah. it's, it was, I used to, he used to say to me why do you bother coming into work you're not very good, you're not very happy why are you here and that was that, that was that was how most days started so you can see why I chose to go look, enough how long did you put up with that for? Like, <sighs> probably I mean he. it started probably about a year before I left but it got really bad towards the end and I was just like it was build it was it was a yeah. continuous build but I was it was scary because like I say I had got little kids at home to keep alive and no one to talk to there was no I think I found nabs at one point but also the really scary thing when things look litigious is I don't have any money to speak yeah. to 500 quid a, an hour lawyers who yeah. can do something so it gets quite scary because I don't have any finance, you know, when things get legal, they get expensive, and I didn't have any of that, so it's another way you can be kept in your place, because I can't just call a lawyer and go, look, this is happening, 
deal with it. Yeah. Although actually, no, I did actually get a lawyer, but they paid. But I mean, it, I was like minimal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. every, every time you pick up the phone, you're like, well, that's another five hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's like, can we do this faster? Because can we do this? And can you just get it all in one letter and not two? Because it is quite. Quite that's it's how good. you get though. Like, they get you though, isn't it? Yeah, because totally. they know that you will not you put that. Oh, you can't. Like, you do you Because I was reading about this the other day as well. Actually, with the NDA thing, the amount of people that have kind of been fobbed off with that. Do you think it should not be allowed to be able to do that? Like, yeah, totally. Because I think it does go on all the time, but it's almost like a sign of guilt in a way. Because why would yeah. you need to silence someone? Well, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's almost that we know, we know, but just go away and don't say anything about it. It is a real, like, go away. So, yeah, I don't think, I think it's, it's, it's a gag, isn't it? Yeah. It's a total gag. I mean, I am still annoyed, well, no, I'm not annoyed, but I want to make it right for people that they never have to go through anything I've had to go through. Yeah. I don't feel a sense of bitterness because I've learned so much. And I don't, luckily my memory's quite bad, so I don't carry it with me. I can tell the stories, but I don't, I don't feel it anymore. Yeah. I don't, so I'm not bitter and I'm not angry, but I want to use it for good, which is why I try and, you know, talk to mentoring, mentoring and all that kind yeah. of stuff, because I never want anyone to have to go through all the stuff that I went through. And I'm really keen on, you know, supporting women and support, and men, to be honest, because I see men struggle sometimes. There's, you know, I see men who, they just want to go and put their kids to bed you know yeah. so you know yeah I can support you in that you need to go do that and that's okay it shouldn't be all the pressure on a woman to to sort of pick up everything I mean unless you're single mum then no choice but um you know it's men should also they need to play their part as well well yeah exactly if you want kind of equal res- um responsibilities then we need to draw men into yeah. the conversation as well exactly. and you've got a question why are they not doing it and some of that exactly. is toxic masculinity yeah. and, and also this macho thing about you know like hey yeah i'll be here yes go for pints it's like no you, it's not you go for pints sometimes but also go i mean i think more men are slightly doing it but it's a slow burn because of this toxic masculinity thing is still rife yeah wish it wasn't yeah but i hope my girls don't have to go through that no, I think it's at least like you said, it's starting to get spoken yeah, about I now. Mean, I mean, I can still probably see ourselves here in ten years' time, probably uh, still talking about it. And like you said, not need to be doing, not I, just talking. Um, but it's what I find incredible um, is that we're actually talking. I never thought I'd be able to say all this. It's sort of like you know, people. I would say it to people in corners in pubs yeah. or friends, but I never thought that there'd be a day when I could say my story. So that's incredible for me so if yeah, I can yeah. say you know so I hope that's a re- for me it's a real signifier that things are changing that actually it's a conversation to attach myself to and to help and to improve and to make better so that makes me gives me hope yeah. you know because I think it's mad that it even existed but it needs to stop yeah yeah you need to call it yeah and in terms of then your um, second and third child, like was was you a solo then, or was you a? No, I had both my all my I had all my children with the same man, and he left when my youngest was two, um, and so yeah, I yeah seven year old, five year old, and three year old. Yes, that's right. Seven, seven, five, and three when he left. Yeah. And yeah, I. Um, became a single mum yeah and yeah it, it was interesting see I'm I'm a um I come from a single family but I was I, I live with my dad okay. my mum left so I'm quite unusual so I have already and I don't know if this has helped me or not but I'm quite an independent soul anyway so I also know that you can survive with one parent so yeah. I, I'm sure that's helped me yeah and because I was like an my mum left when I was six so I think that I I've been quite independent all my life because my dad, who just passed, which is awful, but um, God love him, Um, but he made us quite strong and quite independent. So it's quite interesting because I had, uh, I was brought up with my dad and my brother, so I've had quite a lot of male influence and all I'm not, but in a quite an emotional male influence because they're not toxic, they're not, they're obviously men, but they're not kind of like manly, macho man type of people. So... 
I sort of, I'm, we're quite independent. So I think some of that has helped me because I've seen my dad survive and I've seen how you can make it work with one parent and uh, this independence. I was never really mollycoddled or, you know, like wrapped in cotton wool. I've had my eyes open all my life. So I think part of that, I've got quite, from my dad, I have quite a big fighting spirit and quite a survival spirit. And I sort of think I know everything's going to be all right in some shape or form yeah. so I think that's probably seen me in good stead over um, over the years good I think resilience really good resilience yeah I do think so and I think you have to know what matters and what doesn't matter because a lot of it doesn't matter is it going to be around in five years bother me if not it doesn't matter yeah you have to let it all go you know just have to choose what's important make your choice it is all about owning your choices I think yeah and did you have like a creative partner at that time, career-wise? Yeah, I um, I had yeah. Both times I was pregnant um, with my second and third. I did. I had. They were different, but I did have creative partners then. Yeah. Were always really supportive. Always really yeah. supportive. Yeah. I mean, I've lo- I loved working with. You know, I think it's great when you're working in a team. And I didn't make. I never didn't. Never massively made a big deal about it because there was people just didn't because you would get quite snooty looks from above but you know again the tv department my favorite was like oh you know pregnant how exciting i got a lot of my my love from the telly department um but there wasn't many women around yeah there just wasn't there just really wasn't women there to or they were maybe younger or maybe they were um not in that sort of stage of life yet you know yeah 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 but it, it can be done. It can be done. You just need to get hold your hold your sort of like confidence. It can be done. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. You just need to sort of get your right support network, own your own choices and get someone that has your back. Yeah. And what do you think companies can be doing to like help parents so both men and women do you know what I mean like what do you think is missing from organizations I think I think sometimes I think companies say things but they don't action things Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the action is more powerful than the words so I think you have to lead by example you have to lead the way so I think you know if you're going to say we support parents then everyone from on every level has to support parents yeah so I think sometimes actions you know actually act out what you say you're doing so don't say yeah we're into flexible working and then everyone's here all night yeah you know what I mean because it's quite discombobulated it's like but you said that but you're doing that I think you have to follow through it yeah exactly live your mantras and live your your, what you're saying you want other people to do and if you're saying it's okay for parents to go home at or you know to do bath times or whatever it may be then make sure everyone across the board does that yeah. You know, don't just kind of like look down on people and go, well, you can go when I'm staying. Because it sort of, it still creates a, a kind of gap between management. And I think everyone should just sort of like live what they say their policies are. Yeah. Do you think it's like people are just scared, like management are scared that people will like, if you give them too much and don't put these certain, make example of certain people or say certain things that people will take you know almost well, use it as an excuse or like what do you think is the big fear around i think presenteeism is a problem people yeah. should, people only think that you'll work if you if your bum's on a seat yeah and i think that's really old school hangover that you know being seen i mean half the time people reading papers or you know now people are on facebook but they're there yeah. so people go they must be working they're laptop typing yeah laptop typing. exactly <laughs> and on some kind of like chat thing but i think have, again, it's having the courage and the confidence to know you can do your work. And it, I, I don't care where anybody does their work, whether they do it on the train, the bus, in their bed. So, as long as you're delivering, yeah. that's fine. But I think it's trying to break this presenteeism. As long as you're turning up with the work when, you, when you're supposed to, the rest, for me, is whatever. Doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter, no. You could have literally... have come up with it that morning but as long as it's exactly or you might have done it you know Sunday morning sitting because you just had a little because who knows when it's a happy accident it's when creativity strikes you know what did they say it it catches you when you're doing nothing creativity you know you might just be like sometimes I'm you know watching my son play football on a Saturday which is hell but um, (laughs) you suddenly think of something 
And I might not, I won't have sat on my seat at work no. because actually these open plan offices are the worst place to be creative in the whole wide world because everyone's just got earphones and it's like some weird call centre. So it's really difficult to actually think when it's so open. So creativity can strike at any point. So it's just breaking that idea that you have to be sat at a desk to be working. Yeah. I think, I mean, some companies are more than others, but because I think, because sometimes management panics when they see an empty room. Yeah. So they go, ah, no one's working, but actually just, they are, but they're just not doing it here. Yeah. You know, so. I think the other thing is culture, isn't it? They're scared that there's not going to be any culture and that actually, you know, if you're working in a department with someone, it might be that you're like passing ships in the night and you don't build this momentum yeah. and stuff. Culture's but, a funny one, I think, because um, it's almost like if you have to talk about culture, you haven't got culture. Yeah. You know, it, it should just—it's it, either it, there or it's not. Exactly. Isn't it? yeah. yeah. People, you know, I've always worked at agencies which have great culture, and we never, re- you know, really think about what that is because you're just there enjoying yourself. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. numbers gone right. We have now got culture. God, I worked somewhere once where they had a head of culture, and you think, God, that's like having a head of funny. <laughs> like, that's like, oh my lord! You know, we have a problem if you've got a head of culture because yeah. it should be inbred in innate in what the way that you behave as an, yeah. an organisation rather than forced upon forced, you like you know exactly yeah have you ever felt like quitting the industry because yeah. of the way that you've been treated or yeah I have and oh, what's no. kind of stopped you not getting the right lobby win <laughs> um, not getting yeah six balls that have been able to do what stopped me because there's something quite seductive about the industry. It's what I know and it is what I love. And the right people, when you get the right people to create with, it's magic. And there's no yeah. other job like it. And it's quite seductive. And like I said, I think I've got a bit of a bad memory. So I can forget the bad bits and I can come back for more. And I've done some incredible things. I've been to some incredible places. with incre- I mean, it, as, an, as a rich tapestry it is bountiful yeah. and I think that's what keep because, and no two days are the same like I said at the start I never wanted to like work in an office I never wanted it to be boring I get bored quite easily so no two days are the same you know one minute you might be shooting in South Africa the next day you're sort of like filming somewhere else or you're writing a script um, with a famous person I mean gosh we were in LA once shooting with Ruby Wax and she said oh, Zaza Gabor's in town, can we write her in the script? So we wrote Zaza Gabor into a script. And when wow. what kind of job lets you do that? I mean, that that's that's the bits that you hope for. It, I mean, that was a long time ago. But that's the excitement because there's still adventures to be had, I think, yeah. and that's what stops you. It's not boring. Um, if you had to give three bits of advice to parents, what would your kind of like top three... I think I've probably... Um, touched on them touched on them but I think own your choices stick by them yeah know your boundaries and know that everything's going to be alright oh and also one sometimes when you're not feeling it get a walk in tune whatever piece of music <laughs> puts you in a space where you, everything's going to be alright put it in your ears walk through the door listening to your favourite tune and everything will be alright have your, have your walk-in music. It really saved me a few times when I'm thinking, I'm too tired, I can't do this. Popped a little bit of music in my ears, back in the room. That's such a great bit of advice. <laughs> um, and in terms of, if it was specifically for a single, a single oh, parent, is there anything that Single parents, tell people what you need as much as waiting for them to tell you what they can do. I need to leave at five because of this. So so tell people where your boundaries are. Tell people what you need to do because they're not ever going to know. And if yeah. you look like you can cope, they'll be, oh, she seems fine. But just just be honest and open with what you need to make it work for you. And then in your life, um, get your network sorted. Get people who've got your back. So don't, don't just because you're on your own, you're not on your own. Yeah. If you're not, I mean, just, just know that you've got these little things. And be prepared for it not to be planned. Be prepared to be chaotic. And that's absolutely fine because one day it swims and one day it sinks. And that's fine because the next day it will swim again. You just have to sort of go with it and it will be all right. But just go with it. Stay open. And, you know, if you have to go home, you have to go home. The world, world will still turn. Everything will still be all right. And it will change again the next day. Yeah. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Like, I really, I really appreciate you kind of opening up about 
everything that's happened in your life, the good, the bad, and the, the ugly. Um, Thank and you. And also, I'd like to say, if anybody ever wants any advice or wants to chat or is unsure, please, I'm at Grey, I'm sue.higgs at grey.com. If anybody wants to chat or I can support anyone anyway and show there is a light at the end of the tunnel, please, I'd love to help. Thank you. I'm sure listeners will really appreciate that. Thank you. was another pro mum podcast thank you sue for opening up about all the challenges you faced i still can't quite believe the treatment of women in this industry and beyond we've made progress but there's still definitely more to be made let's make sure we keep talking about these things in order to create change if you would like to speak up on pro mum or know someone who would get in touch at promum.net the music on this podcast is called good morning and credit goes to the composer audio binger